Hey there, folks. This table talk was recorded back in March, so I'm talking to you from uh, contemporary time to say that unfortunately, the uh, game session we mention uh, is not able to be posted. So sorry about that, but there are plenty of other actual plays available uh, for Bluebeard's Bride if you'd like to see how it plays. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you just enjoyed hearing Sarah and I talk about horror stuff for what it is alone. Uh, thank you for your understanding, and uh, have a great day. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to Six Feet Under. We've got a great one for you today. We're going to be playing Bluebeard's Bride. Uh, and before that, as usual, we're going to have a bit of a pod chat. Now, instead of our usual uh, system of having everybody uh, tackle a topic in sort of a roundtable fashion, we had some uh, scheduling uh, idiosyncrasies, I guess is the way to put it. So uh, it's just a one-on-one, -on -one, only one guest. So please introduce yourself as you'd like to be introduced. Thank you. My name is Sarah Richardson. And thank you so much for having me on. No problem. Uh, so Sarah, you are one of, uh, you're a member of the design team of Bluebeard's Bride. That's correct. Bluebeard's Bride is a game I'm designing with Marissa Kelly and mm -hmm. Whitney uh, Strix Beltron. Fantastic. I can't wait to actually uh, get into it. But again, first, <laughs> we thought we'd talk about uh, horror in games, which is uh, something kind of new for the show. We've never done something outright spooky. So uh, I guess we'll start at the top. Oh, when we say horror... What exactly are we talking about? What does that mean to you? So that, that's a good question, because as people who have played Bluebeard's Bride with me find out, mm -hmm. my idea of horror relies a lot on more psychological mood setting, coupled with some kind of extreme body horror and lots of gore. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, um... For me, you know, a, a good horror game is going to be one where, although they're, they're, you know, you can't, it's harder to do jump scares at a tabletop game. Right, yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't slowly realize that what you're doing or what you're watching is very, very wrong. Um, and for <laughs> me, that's, that's more where the horror lies. Right, so it's, uh, it's a mood, it's a tone, it's a... What do you think it is that makes a line between, say, horror and suspense, or just more action thrillers tension? Where do you see that boundary? For me, suspense is kind of more focused on the motivations and the psychology of it, mm -hmm. while horror gets to actually go and play in what the terrible thing is that's going on. <laughs> okay, great. You know, the, the different kinds of, of horror that you can do in a game specifically like there aren't a lot of games where it's explicit in the instructions necessarily that you can mm -hmm. go play around in the terrible terrible stuff that's happening so that's something that i do a lot in games even if they're not horror games mm -hmm. so 
I, I'm not sure if I'm as, as good at suspense as something I'm working <laughs> on. Okay. I think you just answered my next question before I asked it. But, oh, sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, I was going to ask why... Well, maybe we can just explore it a bit more then. So now that we know what horror is, uh, or, or what you take it to be, why do you think it's valuable to bring that into a gaming space as opposed to, say, you know, films or literature with that sort of tone, that, that sort of atmosphere? Why do you want to play with it, specifically? Okay, that's, that's like a big, meaty question right there. There are a couple of different answers. I will try and keep keep it straight. So the reason I want to bring horror into games is a little bit for me, it's, it's because it's something I really enjoy in other media, like you mentioned. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I watch a lot of horror movies. I read a lot of horror books. Like, this is just something I like. So, of course, that means I want to, to also uh, have it in games that I play. Mm-hmm. But that being said, the difference here is by bringing it to a tabletop game, when you're playing with something that you're scared of, you're doing it, but you're safe, mostly. Mm. So we, you know, we watch scary movies to get that adrenaline rush of feeling like you're in danger, mm-hmm. but being able to do that in a movie theater or on your couch without actually having the maniac with the chainsaw after you. <laughs> so I don't know, those 3D effects, they're getting it. <laughs> 3D effects, since I wear glasses... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's uh, the worst. It is the worst, wearing the 3D glasses over the glasses. It is a terrible, terrible scourge upon movies. But, that, if, that was, I digress. If they just keep them to less than two hours, your ears wouldn't hurt as bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's because I basically have the 3D glasses in front of my glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's not enough space on my nose for two pairs of glasses. Oh, for me, it's the ears thing. Yeah, <laughs> we're in the same boat with the uh, double glasses thing. It. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah. So I digress. But the I the the difference there, you know, of bringing it into the tabletop space, is you can start to personally address and interact with things that scare you. Mm-hmm. And and we we definitely do this a lot with the actual game of Bluebeard's Bride. So it's it's a very specific kind of horror. Uh, it's feminine horror. So it's, you know, not, not to spoil the game, but since you are playing <laughs> as the bride and you're a woman, you are addressing stuff that women in general, not every woman, may fear. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a, a very specific tone to it. And by doing that, it, it gives a different experience for people, particularly people who do not identify as women, of uh, interacting with horror in a different way than oh. you do just watching a movie. So, uh, yeah, let's get into that. Feminine horror. Do you have, like, definition or some go-to examples outside of Bluebeard's Bride? Like, slasher movies, I, I know. <laughs> like, feminine horror is not a subgenre that gets name-dropped a lot. Yeah, yeah. There aren't a lot of times that it's addressed particularly well. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you bring up slasher movies, because those have the concept of a final girl. So for those not familiar with the theory, the theory is based on the idea that protagonists like, say, Ripley in the Aliens movies 
they, they all fit this kind of mold where they have a slightly unisex name. They are <laughs> in danger throughout the movie, but they're typically the good girl. They're the ones who's not uh, doing drugs and, and having sex. Right. And so at the end, they change into the savior and they normally kill the uh, thing mm-hmm. that is chasing them. At least until next October. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> So the idea with it being the reason there's a final girl, which is kind of tied into the feminine horror thing, is just that audiences have a really hard time seeing a man be scared. Our society teaches us that that's that's not really a thing a dude does, which is completely ridiculous, right? But we can watch a woman be scared and believe it and be frightened for her. (laughs) And then later, whenever she is the one to give, you know, Freddy or Jason or whoever their comeuppance, it feels very like justified because you saw her fear earlier Mm -hmm. but that's still it's kind of a it's not exactly feminine horror because it's it's set in this very like masculine view of society i guess so on the other hand uh feminine horror then would be something that's taking a woman's perspective and foregrounding women in it rather than the opposite i guess Right. So, actually, one of my favorite examples of this is the movie Teeth. Oh, I love Teeth. I, <laughs> I love Teeth. So, Teeth in, in Teeth, there is a, a young woman who has taken an abstinence pledge, and she is very uncomfortable with her sexuality. But as, as the movie goes on, it, it turns out that other people should really be uncomfortable with her sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a very literal sense. Uh, the, yes. the metaphor is not subtle in teeth. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. But the, the concerns that she faces in that movie, so, so first, her boyfriend tries to rape her, which is something that is not necessarily always handled well in horror movies. Mm-hmm. But in Teeth, you can see it from her point of view. It is not a sexy thing. It is pretty horrifying. Mm-hmm. And, and and then she teaches him a lesson, or her body does. And then it goes on to be this kind of, you know, kind of uh, tension against toxic views of sexuality throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. This, so, go ahead. yeah, sorry. that's... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, the fact that it... It's this this woman who has kind of this, she's monstrous, you know, she is the monster, and it, it centers her as the, the focus of the story and shows all the things that she's worried about or that people try and do, like her disgusting, like, half-brother who wants to have sex with her. Mm-hmm. He is so gross. That That's something I would say falls in the category of feminine horror. This reminds me of an article from uh, Gita Jackson about horror films specifically it follows and one other i can't recall but the 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 thrust of the article is about how she enjoys horror films because they let men show that her fears are real oh that is excellent yeah i'll have to hunt down the link and send it to you and i'm sure it'll be in the show notes thanks ix uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i loved it follows that I guess that's that's also like something I, I should uh, come clean on. I, you know, I really love these things and they still scare me. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have to deal with that. That might be partly why I like it. I don't know. 
but see movies like it follows it really stuck with me and i had nightmares mm -hmm. afterwards you know it's like that just that was a powerful movie so uh getting back to games a bit uh horror trappings for games that are not horror really really popular stuff just uh things like inspectors which is a big farce or monster mm -hmm. hearts where it's really just teen romance melodrama that happens to use horrific creatures as teenage metaphors but it's still not really horror uh mm -hmm. why do you think this, this imagery and these elements get borrowed uh so so often i think that might go towards a little bit like there, there's two trains of thought there, and one of them is that the best way to deal with fear for a lot of people is to laugh at it, mm -hmm. and that's where you get the farce, which is something that, I don't know, I can get into a little, but not as much, mm -hmm. like personally. And then the, the other idea of that is the, uh, dealing with monster hearts you know, monsters and folklore and fairy tales, the reason they're so powerful and we keep telling them is because they're archetypes and there's things in them that we can see in ourselves. So, I mean, Avery was genius. Like, every teenager feels like a monster. Mm -hmm. Like, that is just being a teenager. But, you know, whenever you ha you're telling stories, whenever you fall back on these ideas of... Uh, monsters and sometimes you know they're a little bit human sometimes we identify with them a little too much like that's that's a lot of just wonderful space to tell stories in so I think that's one reason it gets borrowed cool, cool. now uh, because that's so common I think one thing that's difficult is maintaining a horrific tone in a, a play session which is hard for any game where you know you're invested in even like your high fantasy adventure but then the pizza rolls are done and you take a, a bathroom <laughs> break and it's hard to get back into the space with horror i imagine it's even tougher so do you have any uh tips for how to keep that how, how to keep in the zone yeah yeah actually so the first and most important thing is everybody has to agree you're playing a horror game <laughs> yeah yeah that, that yeah that checks out. like if if one player isn't isn't into it, it will ruin the tone for everybody. So you have to kind of both trust each other enough to be somewhat vulnerable mm -hmm. and be like, yeah, we're going to pretend this dorky thing is really, it's really going to get to us. So so first of all, like everybody has to agree. Plus, you don't want to surprise people with a horror game. Mm -hmm. I can't think of it of of a worse surprise at the gaming table. <laughs> like, wait, what? I thought I was going to be, you know, an elf or a pony. What is this? The other thing is, so... Well, I'm um, sure you're a pony, but it's like a horrific <laughs> body horror transformation <laughs> into a pony. And now everyone is riding you and you have no input into the situation. It's, it's messed up. It's real messed up. There are these amazing sculptures of Milo ponies where they're the four uh, ponies of the apocalypse. But they're like... <laughs> I mean, they are badass, evil fucking ponies. They, I, I want one so bad. Anyway. <laughs> yes, even ponies can be terrible. So there's the player buy-in. Then the, the thing I do is you don't have to be loud. In fact, it's better if you're kind of quiet mm -hmm. whenever you're running the game. Because if you can get people to like, they have to, to pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, if you're a little more quiet, 
I have been known to resort to cheap theatrical tricks such as slamming my hand on the table during a particular <laughs> moment. But it, it, that only is effective if you're quiet before that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just any, uh, I guess, uh, if people are leaning in, then I don't know. That, that just seems like a powerful technique on its own, just making people like, once your body language is saying you're paying attention, I think your brain follows suit a bit. You know? It does. Yeah. yeah it does. And then, you know, for me personally, right before I run Bluebeard's Bride, mm-hmm. generally speaking, I don't talk to people. I, I like to take a few minutes listen to you know some some fairly gothy terrible music (laughs) and because i'm trying to get myself in character too Mm -hmm. and then throughout if you know i guess the other the only other thing i can say is it has been amazing to see how often people laugh during these games (laughs) and because you laugh to diffuse tension and and you know you're you're confronted with something really terrible and it's a very human thing to laugh, and I've discovered that's okay, and I can laugh with them, and then it's still scary. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's that's probably the most wisdom, if you can call it that, that I can pass on. So uh, l- let me get a little um, uh, combative with you for a second. Isn't, sure. Isn't this supposed to be fun, though? <laughs> what's, but it is. It's so fun man. about getting creeped out. Come on. Oh, uh, it's it's the best. Like your senses are on alert. You know, you you've got that feeling up the back of your neck and I love being scared to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like there are some things that aren't fun. For me going to a haunted house is not fun. <laughs> I I don't like people being able to come up close to me and 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 yell at me and stuff. But going and seeing a scary movie or running a scary game that is fun but it's not everybody's cup of tea i mean i've i've had people play the game they're like i like the game i like what you did this is not for me mm-hmm. and that's totally fine yeah. that's totally fine but i think you know i think there's a reason that we like encourage kids to dress up on halloween and that you know everyone occasionally goes to a scary movie it's very you know cathartic yeah yeah uh, I had my notes right under that catharsis. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Th- thanks for the confirmation. No. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, the most fun for some people, at least uh, in doing a scary game, a haunted house, watching a, a good scary movie, at least is afterwards talking about it with people and being like, Oh, remember that one part, but you know, the, the sun is shining now and, and we're going out for Taco Bell. yeah you're you're definitely right i have found with bluebeard more than any other game i run people want to talk afterwards Mm -hmm. enough so that after a particularly intense session i may offer like we're going to take a few minutes we're just going to be quiet we're going to process like get some more water and then come back here and we can talk and someone inevitably will begin talking before the silence is over (laughs) because they're like I need to talk about this part. Let us talk about it because it scared me and it was messed up and I liked it and I need to, <laughs> to process that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what are some other ways horror can get 
it, it's touchy stuff. I mean, especially in the case of Bluebeard's Bride, I was listening to, uh, you ran it for another show that I'm a fan of, One Shot, and the second episode, it gets to like explicitly sexualized violence. And I'm yeah. like, I'm so happy I have headphones on right now, <laughs> for one. <laughs> but that, that's a thing that not everybody is down with. How do you, how do you take care of people and, and keep it the, the cathartic kind of spooky fun and not, I'm so uncomfortable, this is bad now? Uh, that's, that's interesting. I actually, I made myself listen to the first part, and I haven't been able to make myself listen to the second uh-huh. part. Because, like most people, I hate listening to myself. And then there's also the, a little bit of, I totally just said that and it's recorded. And I'm okay with oh, that. Oh, no, you're just casting me stuff. in the minority. And that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get enough of it. You know how many shows I got? Not enough. Give me more. Yeah, so I, I actually, I was planning on this week of listening to it again to remind myself of everything that happened. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe you're talking about the woman in the smoking room? Uh, yeah, with the, the, the three objects, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, that is the focal <laughs> point of uh, episode two. <laughs> yeah, so the first few times I ran Bluebeard, it wasn't very sexually explicit. Mm-hmm. And I did realize as we continued making the game and as I ran it, that it, it had to be. For me, mm-hmm. because since it is a lot of it is talking about the female experience and fear and horror, you know, a lot of that is wrapped up in sexual horror for men as well. You know, yeah. as as uh, people pointed out during that game, <laughs> my my fellow designers and I we all run the game kind of differently. Mm-hmm. Actually, probably a lot differently. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we all that, use the that, X that's card. That's a sign of a, a flexible, robust game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would love to be in it sometime. Whenever like Marissa's running it, because yeah. I, you know, it's like I haven't done that. I want to, I want to be in her game, and and the same with Strix. So, <laughs> so the thing I do is we we all use the X card mm-hmm. because I I don't want to cross that line from fun into I am not having fun. Right. Uh, Regular listeners will be familiar. It's come up on a few of our things before, but do you want to just give a quick rundown of what this X-Card business is? Uh, Sure. It was uh, a mechanism that John Stravalopoulos, I probably murdered his last name, designed to help people communicate about problematic and uh, troubling material at the table. Mm -hmm. So if we're playing a game and somebody references something that makes me really, really upset... I can tap that card that has an X on it, and then the game should stop, rewind, and continue forward without the inclusion of the material that I found upsetting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also easy to just put an X in chat in games where you're not uh, there in person. Yeah, and and it's something that the GM can use too. Mm-hmm. It's not just for the players, right? Because that that I've come, I've thought about it before in some Bluebeard games. <laughs> <laughs> There, there was one game where I actually told the players, like, I need you to stop me here, or it's going to get really weird. And they're like, no. It ended up okay. Okay. But... I'm glad. <laughs> so that's the X card. And we all use it at our table. Mm-hmm. I take the extra step, which I may or may not argue with people over, to ask people before the game if there's any big topics they want me to avoid. 
Mm-hmm. Because just just like I, I I guess I need to go back to that. So the other part of managing this is there is a difference between being uncomfortable and not having fun. Right. So I can be uncomfortable at a table where, um, you know, there are ghosts doing things and I can hear screaming and I know people are dying or, you know, something terrible. Uh, and then there, there can be a game where I'm just like, wow, I am not having fun and I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So I don't want to get over into that latter half. So I tend to ask for big topics people want me to avoid if they have a problem with like, you know, children dying or, you know, drug use because they're a recovering addict or something like that. Like, I, I don't know you, so you should tell right. me. Uh, uh, we've done that a few times. Uh, I ran Night Witches a while back for some of the same people that are coming back to this game. Uh, oh, cool. And in that case, it wasn't... It was specific manifestations uh, of... Uh, sexism and discrimination that are like, uh, I, I face this at work, I don't want it in my game. <laughs> totally, uh, totally. I mean, personally, anytime I'm in a game where it's it's not mechanics or not to a point like Bluebeard or Night Witches, if it's just like a, a fantasy game and I'm dealing with sexism, oh, that's not fun. Mm-hmm. That That's messed up. What the hell is that? <laughs> I mean, maybe some racism against like dwarves and, well, and stuff. Yeah. I can see that happening. But only the positive kind, you know? <laughs> only flattering stereotypes. Well, I might play with terrible. Okay. But, but yeah, so like that stuff cannot be fun. But then if people are okay with it and you have a GM who is hopefully able to deal with sensitive subjects in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I know that's that's a totally judgy judgy way of putting it but like so the sexual assault that happens that comes up occasionally in Bluebeard's Bride it is not supposed to be you know it's not sexualized violence so to speak like we see in movies whenever you're talking about a woman's experience some of that will include people crossing boundaries and ignoring no's Mm -hmm. and building on that so the the actual play you're referencing I don't believe she ever actually she never actually touches the bride no not that I recall she only touches herself so that's another like important line and distinction you don't sexually assault the actual character that the people are playing but to have that around you it's 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 hard I'm not gonna lie it's hard to do that in a thoughtful way but so far, it has been working. <laughs> and I feel terribly even saying that. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> that, that is the beauty of the, the kinds of games we play. You get to figure out what works for you and uh, the way you run it and the people you play with. So, But yeah, that's, yeah that is a good... Uh, finding the finer lines, and that, that, that's a good tip. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> And, and please, I want to clarify, you do not have to play Bluebeard's Bride with any themes of sexual violence. There's plenty of other stuff to be like, that is fucked up. Drawing the curtain, yeah. uh, when you see the next thing in your feed, we may or may not have it. We haven't played yet. We haven't even uh, had our talk about what may or may not be on the table. I honestly don't know. Right. So, do you have anything else you want to bring up about horror in games? Or more broadly? 
Hmm. Well, I, I know that, you know, there are some things that are much harder to do. It's harder to convey the absolute ego killing horror that there is some like giant Cthulhu-esque god out there that is planning on eating the world. It can be harder to maintain that than it is the very personal horror mm -hmm. of Bluebeard's Bride. It's personal and it's intimate and it takes place it takes place in like the places you're supposed to be safe in your home. So it's it's kind of like different scales of horror, but they're they're both they're both valid and fun to play with. Do you think that has something to do with the empowerment that is typical to player characters across almost any game? And so with personal horror, you're violating that. And with a more cosmic horror, you're, you still have an expectation of that. Like, well, if I die, the game's over, so I can play a little uh, uh, fast and loose with this Shaga. <laughs> You should never play Fast and Loose with a Shoggoth. What are you if doing? If you're the one who pays for pizza, you can do whatever you damn well please. That's true. It, it is a little bit. Like, it's it's this knowing violation of normal boundaries whenever you play some of the, the games like Bluebeard's Bride. So yeah, it is. It's, it's like now we have the language and the means and ways to formally communicate that in games. Even though, like, some people just do it all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Because now people people should have that that feeling of you know the difference between the personal horror and the world horror and shock offs. Right. Thank you very much. Uh, what are some horror games besides your own? I mean, everybody should go check out Bluebeard's Bride. It's funding on Kickstarter right now as we upload this. But some other things you think people uh, ought to check out in the whole horror vein. Well, honestly, one of my my favorite horror games is Murderous Ghosts which is an Apocalypse World hack by the author of Apocalypse World, in which it's a two-player game. Mm -hmm. And one person is a urban explorer who has broken into you know, some, some building and is looking around. And the other person is the ghost with murder on their mind. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fantastic to play it with someone who knows you really well so they can actually scare you, because I got, I got authentically creeped out playing it. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Nice. That that sounds like a very uh, interesting, unique experience, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So, we've talked about Bluebeard's Bride. Is there anything else you would like to plug for the folks at home? Anything you're involved with? Uh, sure. So, Bluebeard's Bride will be coming out from Magpie Games, mm -hmm. uh, which is a company I work for, along with Marissa. And, and we're very excited, and I do hope that people play it, and I hope I hope they like it. Also coming out for Magpie Games this year will be a game from me. It's a Dungeon World setting based on a prison planet Ooh. that I'm I'm working still on the name. I know it is the something prison of wrath lore. <laughs> so, so that will be kickstarting as well. And let's see. Those are probably the two official things I can talk about right now. I'm also part of the IGDN, and I do stuff for Indie Plus, so you can also see me doing stuff for Indie Plus, where I'm part of the diversity team. Uh, what is the IGDN again? Oh, sorry. That is the Indie Game Developers Network. Oh, cool, cool, cool. 
So uh, if you are a small game designer, an indie game designer, and you want some help navigating all the conventions and publishing and, and just cool people to talk to, you can talk to us. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, talking with us and agreeing to run this game. So for the folks at home, the next thing you should check out is our Bluebeard's Bride session that Sarah is so generously running for us. And uh, at the same time, or immediately after, head over to that Kickstarter page and give it a look. You might just want this game for yourself. So again, I'd like to thank you for coming on. And this was a very fruitful one. I'm excited for this to go up. And uh, good night.